Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. You know, when a Republican is nominated to the Supreme Court of the United States, or in more particularly an originalist, their first name changes. Their first name becomes controversial. The controversial Clarence Thomas. The controversial. Samuel Alito, the controversial William Rehnquist. But when a Democrat is nominated to the Supreme Court, or more particularly a radical leftist, their first name changes to historic. The historic Katanji Brown-Jackson. The historic Sotomayor. And so forth and so on. Now, the way the media report this, you'd have no idea that this next Supreme Court justice is a radical. She embraces the racist ideology of critical race theory, which rejects the Constitution and the American founding. She embraces the radical transgender agenda and its imposition on elementary school students. And this is just for starters. If you're weak on child pornographers and those perverts who use it when it comes to sentencing, then you're going to be weak across the board when it comes to punishing criminals protecting society. 
The reason why the, the hard radical left pushed her as the African-American woman that they wanted on the court. And regardless of this generation and regardless of the media of our time, her unwillingness to define what a woman is because she said she's not a biologist will be remembered for as long as the United States exists. She's a radical. She's an ideologue. Three Republicans voted for her. Every single Democrat voted for her. They're all a disgrace. They're all a disgrace. There could have been another historic nominee, an African-American woman. There were others to choose from. There are others to choose from. But Joe Biden chose the most radical that he possibly could. I have to be honest with you. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney collectively are pretty stupid people. They're stupid. They sound stupid. They talk stupid. They don't make a lot of sense, these three. They're self-righteous. They're narcissistic. They're egomaniacal. They work very closely with the corrupt media. The corrupt media use them for the useful idiots that they are. You know, there's a lot of Republicans in the Senate who are not conservatives. A lot of them. But even they couldn't bring themselves to vote for Kentonji Brown Jackson. Excuse me, historic Kentonji Brown Jackson. There could have been historic nominees under Republican presidents. As Republican presidents tried to build a farm team of minorities in the circuit court level, it was Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Ted Kennedy, Patrick Leahy, and other reprobates who stopped them. Who prevented them. Because they didn't want the Republicans to be the first party to nominate the first African-American woman to the Supreme Court an originalist who would comply with the words of the Constitution, the first Hispanic American to the Supreme Court. So the Democrats prevented it, actively obstructed it. Now they want credit. Well, the nation will not be better off because of Kentonji Brown-Jackson. This isn't about the Supreme Court looking like America. There are plenty of minorities out there, black, Hispanic, and otherwise, who are not the kinds of radical that Jackson is. So while they argue and the media propagate about this historic event, It's also historic in a very negative respect. Somebody will now serve on the Supreme Court who doesn't believe in the founding of this nation because she embraces critical race theory. Somebody will be serving on the Supreme Court who
who believes that the Constitution is a bastardized document. Because at the Constitutional Convention and the state conventions, they were all white. It's going to be very, very interesting and problematic and gravely so. And moreover, as I discussed at length yesterday, just to underscore the point, somebody will now be serving on the Supreme Court who rejects the Declaration of Independence, the very first sentence about natural rights, natural law, which is the basis, the core of America and Western civilization. That's going to be a problem. I hope the people of Utah, Alaska, you'll have a shot at this now, and Maine understand that it's their senators who help pave the way. And Mitt Romney in particular said he believes she's in the mainstream. Mitt Romney is drunk on his own publicity. Here he endorses Kentonji Brown-Jackson while he refuses to endorse his colleague, Senator Mike Lee, for re-election. He sought to be Secretary of State under Donald Trump, who chose somebody else. And he's made it his mission in his recent career to destroy Donald Trump. And that is a principal politician. Mitt Romney stands for Mitt Romney. He lives in Michigan, he's one kind of politician. He lives in Massachusetts, he's another type of politician. He runs for the Senate in Utah, he's a third type of politician. Before that, when he runs for the nomination of the presidency in the Republican Party, he's severely conservative. A fourth type of politician. Romney is a chameleon and a quizzling. A disaster. A disaster. All right, we've got a lot to cover this evening. I hope you'll stick with me. Among other things, more on the Biden crime family. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country? That too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Catherine Herridge, formerly of Fox, now CBS Evening News. 150-plus transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for the Department of the Treasury. Cut one, go. 
CBS News has learned that more than 150 transactions involving either Hunter or James Biden's global business affairs were flagged as concerning by U.S. banks for further review. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. This is the way it is. After a nearly three-year investigation, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News he believes the president's younger brother, James, was instrumental in Hunter Biden's Chinese business ventures. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. James Biden has worked as an entrepreneur and recently in the healthcare industry. We will focus on James Biden, the president's brother. This week, this Grassley released President bank Grassley. records indicating James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese financed consulting firm. These records come directly from the banks, no third party. You're absolutely right. In our interview, Grassley did not allege the Bidens broke the law, but he said it's concerning that both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their China work totaling $165,000 a month in 2017 after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. We have people with the Biden name dealing with Chinese business people that have a relationship through the Communist Party. I think it's very concerning. This 2019 subpoena, verified by CBS News, shows federal investigators also sought Hunter and James Biden's business records from a major U.S. bank dating back to 2014 as part of a separate probe by the U.S. attorney in Delaware into possible violations of tax and foreign lobbying laws. I think Hunter and James Biden should not have entered into those relationships. In the best case, those things look really bad. In the worst case, the conflicts can be quite serious. The White House chief of staff said this week that the president is confident his family did the right thing, adding these actions by Hunter and James are private matters and don't involve the president. CBS News began outreach to James and Hunter's legal teams last week and received no response. Nora. It's amazing. It's amazing how they try and drag Trump into January 6th. And here Joe Biden's name is on everything. Everything. Joe Biden's name is on everything. New York Post. Here's a dozen times. Here's a dozen times. Joe Biden played a role in Son Hunter's business dealings. By Emily Crane and Miranda Devine, who's fantastic. Stephen Nelson and Bruce Golding. Joe recommends, number one, the latest example emerged Wednesday when it was revealed that Hunter Biden got his dad to write a recommendation letter to Brown University for the son of a powerful Chinese business associate, Jonathan Lee. Quote, Jonathan, Hunter asked me to send you a copy of the recommendation letter that he asked his father to write on behalf of Christopher of Brown University. Hunter Biden's then business partner, Eric Schwerin, wrote to Lee on February 18, 2017. Sherwin told Lee the original was being shipped by FedEx to University President Christina Praxton directly at Brown. That is, the original of Joe Biden's letter. Lee is the CEO of the Chinese investment firm BHR Partners and in 2013 established a subsidiary, Bohai Harvest RST Shanghai, where Hunter Biden was a founding board member and held a 10% equity share through a company called Skenatalis. LLC. After the White House refused to say whether the first son remained a part owner, after resigning from the board in 2019, Hunter Biden's lawyer finally told the New York Times Hunter no longer holds any interest, directly or indirectly, in either of those companies. But he did at the time. 
And his father wrote the letter. Two, the other kid, too. Hunter Biden also arranged for his dad to write a letter to Georgetown University, Hunter's alma mater, on behalf of Lee's daughter. But neither child got into the elite institution, the Post understands. During Wednesday's White House briefing, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, I have no confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, and not serving in public office. But he did. Three, Joe's hopes. Hunter Biden acknowledged in a 2019 New Yorker magazine article that he and his dad once discussed Hunter's job on the board of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings, which paid him as much as $83,000 a month when Joe Biden was vice president under Barack Obama. Quote, Dad said, I hope you know what you're doing, and I said, I do, he recalled. Four, Air Force Two trip. In December 2013, Hunter and his daughter, Finnegan Biden, traveled to China on Air Force Two with then-Vice President Joe Biden during an official six-day trip to Asia. Joe Biden met with Chinese President Xi Jinping and other officials. It was also introduced to Lee by his son in the lobby of the hotel where the American delegation was staying. Lee was a business partner of Hunter's. Afterward, Hunter Biden sat with Lee for what both sides claimed was a social meeting, when Hunter Biden telling the New Yorker, how do I go to Beijing halfway around the world and not see them for a cup of coffee? Number five, half his salary. In a 2019 text to his daughter, Naomi, Hunter Biden bitterly wrote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for his entire family for 30 years, he added. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, that is Joe, I won't make you give me half of your salary. Meanwhile, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain was revealed this week to have hit up Hunter Biden for help raising $20,000 for the foundation that maintains the vice president's official residence. Number six, meet the partners. As Vice President Joe Biden met with Hunter Biden business partner Devin Archer in April 2014, around the same time that Archer joined the Burisma board and shortly before Hunter Biden did so, according to Senator Ron Johnson. A photo that surfaced more than five years ago later reportedly shows Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and Archer posing with golf clubs on a course in the Hamptons in August 2014. In February, Archer was sentenced to one year and one day in prison, an unrelated bond fraud scheme that targeted the impoverished Ogala Sioux tribe of American Indians. Now, there are one, two, four more connections between Joe Biden and the reprobates. And so when we come back, I want to inform you of the other four, as well as other breaking news related to this. We'll be right back. Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country, that too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. 
Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. All right, let's plow ahead. We've got a lot, a lot on the plate this evening. There's my beautiful wife. Come here, honey, really quick. All right. She's going out. We don't go out without a smooch. Okay. Number seven, meet the Ukrainians. Vladim Pohaski, a Burisma exec, an advisor to its board, sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, email that said, quote, Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving an opportunity to meet your father and spend some time together. It's really an honor and a pleasure. Meet the Cossacks, number eight. One day earlier, Joe Biden attended a dinner at Washington, D.C.'s Cafe Milano with some of his son's business associates from Ukraine, Russia, and Kazakhstan. An unverified photo apparently shows the Bidens posing between two of the guests who attended that night. Kazakhstani banking oligarch, Kenze Genze, Kashyap, ah, whatever. There's four of them, with Hunter included. January, Masmismov, which one is he? Masmismov, former prime minister of Kazakhstan, was arrested in a plot to overthrow the former Soviet Republic government following his ouster as head of its counterintelligence and anti-terrorism agency. Anybody concerned yet? Have we ever seen a crime family like this? You know, Donald Trump's under investigation by the Democrat DA's office in Manhattan still, by the hack Democrat Attorney General in Albany who should have had her law license revoked long ago, by this rogue January 6th Stalinist committee in Washington, man hasn't done a damn thing. Number nine, meet Bobolinsky, former Hunter Biden business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, revealed in October 2020 that he spoke with Joe Biden in May 2017. After being introduced by Hunter, who reportedly described Bobolinsky as the one who was helping us with the business we're doing with the Chinese. You see, Bobolinsky would be witness number one. According to Bobolinsky, who has identified Joe Biden as the big guy with a 10% share and planned deal with the CEFC Chinese front group company, the former vice president told him, quote, keep an eye on my son and brother and look out for my family, unquote. Bobolinsky also said he later asked Joe's brother, James Biden, about the possibility that Joe would run for president in 2020. Quote, he looks at me and kind of chuckles and says, plausible deniability, unquote, Bobolinsky said. Number 10. Emails show that in September 2017, Hunter Biden asked for a new sign and additional keys to an office he was renting in Washington, D.C.'s House of Sweden office building, which is home to the Swedish embassy. What are the Swedes known for? Like uh, candy, like the, the, the fish? What, what do you call those, Mr. Producer? You know what I mean? They're like licorice. They're known for chocolate, too, right? Maybe I should get an office there. Anyway, the sign was to say, quote, 
the Biden Foundation and Hudson West, which was the Chinese front company's U.S. company. And the keys were for his father, stepmother Jill, Uncle James, and a Chinese executive named Zhe Zhendang. The building manager wrote back, quote, We're very excited and honored to welcome your new colleagues. But a spokeswoman for the Swedish agency that oversees the property told the Washington Compost that the sign was never changed and the keys were not picked up. Number 11, meet the Mexicans. 2015, then-Vice President Joe Biden hosted a group of his son's Mexican business associates. Wow. Kazakhstan, Mexico, Ukraine, Russia, China. This kid was good. Imagine how good he would have been if he wasn't a drug addict and a porno addict, Mr. Producer. Uh, He met at the vice president's official residence with his Mexican business associates and posed for a photo with Hunter Biden and a group of possible business partners. Listen to this. Joe Biden, in 2015, hosted a group of his son's Mexican business associates at the vice president's official residence. And he posed for a photo with his son Hunter and a group of possible business partners, including Mexican billionaires Carlos Slim, who owns, I believe, about 17% or so of the New York Slimes, and Miguel Aman Velasco. Number 12, quid but no quo. In 2016, emails indicate Hunter Biden messaged Velasco's son from Air Force Two, which was en route to Mexico for an official visit. Hunter complained to the younger Velasco that he hadn't received reciprocal business favors after, quote, I brought every single person you have ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the vice president's house and the inauguration, unquote. It's obvious that Biden's office was a a pass-through for his son's business activities. God knows what he did in the Senate. That hasn't even been investigated yet. In my view, Biden is corrupt. Joe Biden. I want to thank Harris Faulkner. I understand from Mr. Beducer that she actually said today that Mark Levin's been calling for a special counsel. Isn't that correct? Because she's a class act. She She has a fantastic show, too. She's a real journalist. Unlike Ann Applebaum at The Atlantic. I'll get to her later. There's more to cover here. A lot more. Over at the Federalist, Bob Anderson. Joe Biden's released tax returns don't explain millions in income. Where did it come from? As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm putting one exhibit, public source after another, together. The week prior to the presidential election, he says, I wrote a piece that asked the question, where's Hunter Biden's money? Was an important question then, even more so now. Given the legacy media's recent validation of Hunter's laptop that discussed a slice of equity planned for the big guy in a deal that involved an entity controlled by the Communist Chinese Party, we should know if any money from it or other foreign sources ended up in Joe Biden's pocket, but we don't. Recall that despite then-presidential candidate Biden having bragged that he had released his tax returns with what his team called a historic level of transparency, the truth is, that he only released his individual returns. 
Those returns provided no detail regarding the source of most of his income. Dollars that flowed to him and his wife, Dr. Jill, by way of S-corporations, they set up shortly after his departure from the office of the vice president. Those entities, Celtic Capri Corporation, his, and Giacapa Corps, hers, contained more than $13 million of the $17 million the couple had reported in income after Biden left office, most of it in the first year, 2017. So people are asking, wait a minute, he was a senator. I mean, practically after he, uh, he was born. Then he was vice president, without a skip. Then in his first year, he's worth $17 million. The same media that ignored Hunter's laptop has shown a complete incuriosity about these entities. Accepting the premise that Joe and Jill raked in $13 million from their book deal to generate their huge increase in income. We simply don't know if that's true, though. What we do know is that their book sales were dismal. You know, much like Chris Christie's. Perhaps sensing smoke starting to build just before the election, USA Today published a fact-check piece that attempted to support that the Bidens earned $15.6 million from speaking fees and book deals in the years 2017 through 2019. And that more than $10 million of that total was profits from Biden's memoir, Promise Me, Dad, a $3 million in profits from Joe Biden's book. <coughs> Are you telling me he got $10 million for a book and she got $3 million? Folks, I'm not buying it. Follow the source link provided to the $10 million number, though, and you'll end up at Joe Biden's campaign website with financial disclosure links to only their individual returns, no S corporation tax returns. So in reality, readers were left with a smokescreen. Now the financial disclosure links for 2016, 17, and 18 have even been changed to connect to Democratic National Committee fundraising site via Act Blue, rather than the actual tax documents. He says, I noted back in 2020 that while Joe Biden's financial disclosures reasonably support the $2.7 million of net income reported by Celtic Capri in 2018, a notable $8.7 million gap exists between its $9.5 million net income in 2017 and the $809,000 of disclosed income in that year from book tour and related speaking events. Since his disclosure covers only part of 2017, we lack the insight into other income that may explain it, he wrote. To that obvious question, the legacy press simply yawned. But it will become increasingly harder for them to maintain a head in the sand position as more information arises. Senators Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson. It's so crucial, America, that Ron Johnson's reelected in Wisconsin. Recently showed proof of payments from what they said were CCP, Communist uh, Chinese Party, controlled firms that proved just how connected the Bidens were, how compromised President Biden probably is. An August 2017 wire receipt showed $100,000 sent from the Communist Front Group Company and a copy of November 2017 check from this Communist Front Group revealed $1 million paid to Hudson West. Both recipient entities were tied to the president's son, Hunter. Did any of that money or other overseas income go to Joe or Jill? We would know if the president provided a copy of their S-Corporation tax returns with all partner K-1s that flowed through them. If the Republicans take the House, they must look into this. If they take the Senate, 
Mitch McConnell won't permit it. You know what Mitch McConnell's afraid of, Mr. Producer? Somebody will look under his covers. Just saying. Because his family's tight with the communist Chinese, too. But the only detail we have is aggregate numbers reported on the couple's individual returns. As it stands, we're left to trust USA Today, which we don't, that Jill grossed $3 million in royalties, plus about 700000 from speaking fees, for a book that sold only 7,000 copies in the first week. And that from that book deal, she netted more than $1 million in two years prior to its release, but only 175000 in the year it was published. I can tell you, as an author, as one of the most successful authors in America, it's not possible. It's possible an advance was paid, but could a publisher have justified that amount? No. The numbers don't add. They don't add up. We're told that Joe netted $12.2 million after expenses. After expenses. And the same deal for a book that sold 300,000 copies. Excluding the $4.2 million earned from touring and speaking, that yields $8 million of income that we are to assume came from book royalties. Higher if we know as gross revenues before. Now let me think a second. First of all, if you're given a massive guarantee like they say he, he would have had to, you don't have any book royalties when you sell 300,000 copies. You have to make up that guarantee first. I'm giving you a little inside baseball. So he didn't get any royalties, not legitimately anyway, unless he had a very low guarantee. If he had a very high guarantee and he sold 300,000 copies... He got no royalties. For analysis purposes, consider that his book at a retail price of $27 for a hardcover and $18 for a paperback. Assume a reasonable mix of sales, so the average price was $23 with no discounting. On 300,000 books sold, gross revenues would have been just under $7 million. As an author, Joe would have likely received about 12% of that using a blended royalty rate, 15% hardcover, 7.5% paperback, yielding about $800,000 in income. Round it up to $1 million if prefer. Double it. It's still not close to $8 million. This guy's exactly correct. Sure, he likely got an advance, but would a publisher have advanced that kind of money to an author whose prior work promises to keep sold only 49,000 copies? The answer is no. Rather than ask for proof of sources of income, the media have been stuck in a repeating cycle of reporting about whether Joe and Jill underpaid payroll taxes. It's a valid question. It's a question I've asked. But it may miss the much larger one. Where did all that money come from after Biden left office? To that end, tax returns are a valuable investigative source document. You know what's amazing to me? Donald Trump is subjected to all these attacks about his tax returns. He comes into office a multi-billionaire. He leaves office with a little less money than what he came into office with. Guys like Joe Biden, the Obamas, Gore, Harry Reid, they come into office with nothing. Or a minimal amount. And then after they leave, there were 50 million, 100 million, a quarter of a billion But that's not investigated. Congress doesn't want to know about that. District attorneys don't want to know about that. Attorneys general don't want to know about that. See, that's how sick this is. More when I return. Mark Levin. 
Folks, I'm here to talk to you about something very serious. Have you felt something changing in our country, that too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead group themselves by race, class, or sex? That we're losing the common idea of justice, the melting pot that unites us. I'm talking about citizenship, folks. And if we lose the idea of citizenship, then we don't have a country. But there's something you can do. Get educated and then teach others. And my friends at Hillsdale College can show you the way. Hillsdale's new free course on American citizenship will help you learn about what's happening and why. The course is taught by our friend, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, who will equip you to help restore our country. You can sign up for free at levinforhillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I don't expect you to be able to follow every name, particularly when most of the names are Chinese or every company or particularly since most of them are front groups or every transaction since they're multiple transactions, every tax issue. But you should get a feeling from the aggregate of what I'm telling you, that there is a substantial amount of information at every level, every level, that draws Joe Biden right into the center of this with so many questions that need to be asked under oath. So many questions. The Democrats control the House, they won't hold any hearings. The Democrats control the Senate, they won't hold any hearings. The Democrats control the media, they're still protecting Joe. The Democrats control Maine Justice in Washington, D.C. with Meritless Garland. They won't appoint a special counsel. I, for one, am going to keep the pressure on. As a former chief of staff to an attorney general, I know how this works. If there was ever a circumstance for a special counsel, this is it. In my view, we have a corrupt man in the Oval Office with a corrupt family, a syndicate or a crime family, if you will. There's DNA and fingerprints all over the place. There are witnesses. There are actual actual authenticated texts and emails and there's more to come after the top of the hour i've got more for you i shall return this segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by pure talk pure talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 887. What the hell is it? 381 887 381. What is it? Excuse me. Eight. What do we do? Just uh, call a pizza parlor in Manhattan or something? 877 381 3811. I was caught off guard. 877 381 3811. 
It's been the number for like 20 years, you know. I'm going to stay on this, folks. There's a lot to cover today, but I've got to stay on this. And over at the Federalist, the gentleman continues, rather than ask for proof of sources of income, the media has been stuck in a repeating cycle of reporting about whether Joe and Joe Biden underpaid payroll taxes. That's a valid question, but it misses the bigger picture. To that end, tax returns are valuable investigative source documents. Since the days of Al Capone, the rule has been clear. Don't ever fail to pay taxes on any income, even if shady. It's the easiest conviction for a prosecutor. So it's logical that all income will be reported and for any potentiality over the ethical or legal line, an upstream S-corporation would serve as the perfect mechanism to obscure it from view. On a matter of this importance, all possibilities must be fairly considered until proof is established one way or another. See, Donald Trump's taxes are audited every single year. Have Biden's been? Biden may have completely valid sources for all his millions, and if so, he should demonstrate it, particularly given the evidence of foreign money flowing through his son and indirect references to him. In releasing Biden's tax return last year, White House Press Secretary Jim Psaki commented that the release of the president's tax return should be expected of all presidents. Surely she would agree this means the full set of documents. If this question involved former President Donald Trump and one of his sons, the New York Times and Washington Post would already be howling for full disclosure. They'd be right to do so. So perhaps they will join now in saying, President Biden, please clear the air of all doubt, release your full tax returns. Well, they're not going to do that, Bob Anderson. In the long piece that the Washington Post put out Sunday or Monday, actually, I think it was Saturday, doesn't matter. Paragraph 5, as I pointed out in my Sunday monologue on Fox, they said that there's no evidence that any of this is linked to Joe Biden. They lied. They lied. Joe Biden said he was totally unaware of any of his son's business activities. He lied. Now he said they say he's confident that his son didn't violate any law. Well, which is it? But there's more. There's a lot more. The wonderful New York Post, Stephen Nelson. Chuck Rasley says, first brother Jim Biden in crosshairs of 100 business probes. Senator Grassley, and I want to salute Senator Grassley, I want to salute Senator Johnson. Do you know they've had no support from Mitch McConnell? None. None. No support from the Republican leader. It's pathetic. In fact, McConnell has spent more time trashing Donald Trump than he has been demanding answers from Joe Biden. Because that's the nature of rhino world. Whether it's Dizzy Lizzie Cheney or head case Adam Kingsinger or the uh, Cape May Orca Chris Christie or the CEO and chairman of the Washington Compost And on down the list. Senator Chuck Rashley says President Biden's brother James, Jimmy, is a prime focus of investigators reviewing first son Hunter Biden's farm business deals. Said I think James Biden was very much a part of this. As the network reported more than 150 financial transactions involving Hunter or Jim that were flagged, as you heard earlier, by U.S. banks. 
Grassley co-authored a September 2020 report with Ron Johnson on the Biden family's business pursuits. And you know what? This was used, plagiarized by the Washington Post. The two senators released a supplemental report that that November and recently took to the Senate floor to reveal banking records detailing Jim Biden's role in Chinese-linked business ventures. It's incredible what's going on here. Now, you know about the $65,000 a month in August 2017, a consulting agreement that involved Jimmy, 100000 for Hunter. That's pretty remarkable. But there's more. Other payments to Lion Hall. Lion Hall uh, was uh, Jimmy Biden's company. We're funneled through Awasco. Nearly $1.4 million between August 2017 and 2018. According to the Grassley-Johnson report, that caught the attention of a bank which contacted Jim Biden's wife, Sarah, for an explanation. Hunter Biden's aunt, or as some people say, aunt, stated that the Lion Hall Group and Owasco provide international business consulting, and that the Lion Hall Group was assisting Owasco with an international client through a contract that had since terminated. Sarah Biden told the bank that she would not, Sarah I think is the sister-in-law, told the bank that she would not provide any supporting documentation. She also refused to provide additional information to more clearly explain the activity. Jim Biden's involvement in Hunter's business pursuits, well-known, but a less frequent subject to media and political attention. Hunter Biden revealed in December 2020 that he's under federal tax investigation. He paid a million dollars in back taxes, according to the New York Times recently, to avoid prosecution, he hoped, and uh, consider, uh, as uh, authorities consider, possible money laundering and foreign lobbying charges. We brought this up, too. The uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and his failure to report as a federal, as a lobbyist for a foreign country. It's unclear to what extent federal prosecutors are reviewing Jimmy Biden's work with his nephew. Jimmy worked closely with Hunter on some but not all of his overseas business pursuits, including with that Chinese communist and communist military front group, um, which uh, paid... Jimmy and Hunter, $4.8 million in 2017 and 2018. Just incredible. Bobolinsky said in October 2020 that he spoke with Joe Biden in May 2017 after being introduced by Hunter, as you know. And uh, according to Bobolinsky, the former vice president told him to keep an eye on my son and brother. Email also shows the Sweden house that we talked about. Jim Biden also openly boasted about selling influence to his older brother, as he and Hunter Biden sought to take over a hedge fund based in New York in 2006, according to the 2021 book, The Bidens Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power, by political reporter Ben Schreckinger. Don't worry about investors, Jimmy Biden allegedly told a corporate executive. We got people all around the world who want to invest in Joe Biden. We've got investors lined up in a line of 747s filled with cash ready to invest in this company. You know, folks, if one one thousandth of one percent of this 
involved, the Trumps. That would be it. It'd be over. It would be over. Unbelievable. Don't worry about investors, he says. Joe Biden's son, Bo, who died tragically in 2015, reportedly scolded his uncle in response, saying, this can never leave this room, and if you ever say it again, I will have nothing to do with this. I think Bo was the smartest of the bunch, quite frankly. Some of the first son's business ventures do not appear to involve his uncle. That's Bo. But, for example, Hunter Biden co-founded, excuse me, Hunter, for example, Hunter Biden co-founded a Chinese investment firm called BHR Partners in 2013. It goes on and on and on. Hunter introduced Joe Biden to BHR CEO Jonathan Lee. I mentioned that in the lobby of a hotel in China's capital. The fund is controlled in part by state-owned entities and facilitated the 2016 sale for $3.8 billion of a Congolese cobalt mine from a U.S. company to a communist Chinese firm. Cobalt is key component in electric car batteries. Now, I want you to listen to this. Hunter introduced Joe to BHR CEO Jonathan Lee, L.I., in the lobby of a hotel in China's capital. The fund, the fund, BHR Partners, is controlled in part by state-owned entities, that's communist Chinese, and facilitated the 2016 sale for $3.8 billion of a Congolese cobalt mine from a U.S. company to the communist Chinese. Hunter Biden's attorney, Chris Clark, said in November 2021, not that long ago, less than a week after Biden's three-and-a-half-hour virtual summit with Chinese President Xi Jinping, that his client had finally divested his 10% stake in BHR Partners, that is, Hunter Biden had divested, but offered no further details. The White House declined to share any details of the alleged transactions and referred reporters to Clark, who did not respond to inquiries. Does anybody really believe that Joe Biden knew nothing about all this when all roads go through Joe Biden? The Biden name, the Biden vice presidency, the likely presidential candidacy of Biden. Does anybody really believe this? that he made $17 million from his book and the Dr. Jill book and speeches. It's a lot of damn speeches. And most of it made in the first year after he was vice president. And in Ukraine, Hunter Biden was paid a reported $1 million per year to serve on the board of Ukrainian gas company Burisma, you recall, founded by a corrupt pro-Russia oligarch. While his vice president dad led the Obama administration's Ukraine policy. And remember he put the shoulder on that government to get rid of the prosecutor who was looking into Belinsky, excuse me, Burisma. Although Joe Biden claimed in 2019 that he'd never spoken with his son about his overseas business dealings, this statement was directly contradicted. Directly contradicted when the Post reported in October 2020 that Burisma executive Vadim Pazharsky emailed Hunter in 2015 to thank him for the opportunity to meet his father. And then there's the photos. And don't forget, Russia's richest woman, 
who was the wife of the ex-Moscow mayor, in 2014, gave Hunter $3.5 million. That is, she gave it to a firm associated with Hunter. They thought they were buying something, and that's not Hunter's influence or Jimmy's influence. It's Joe's influence. How thoroughly will this be covered on MSLSD or the Constipated News Network? Or even our friends at ESPN. What will LeBron James say about all this, I wonder? What about the rest? Salon. The nation. Mm -hmm. Mother Jones. What will they say? Joe Biden has no connection whatsoever. No curiosity, no interest. Really? How about that? How about that? What will the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo have to say? How about the always illiterate Al Sharpton? Lawrence O'Donnell, another head case. What will he say? And the whole lineup of frauds, freaks, and phonies over at MSLSD. What will the view say? The Yentas, the no-talent Yentas, the no-IQ Yentas, what will they say? How about John Leibowitz, a.k.a. John Stewart? He won't care. He's on his, his race obsession. Boy, is he a sick dude or what? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with Pure Talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure Talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. So the final piece to bring you up to date, there'll be more down the road, there's no question. I've spent half the show on this. It's important. It's from the Daily Mail. Exclusive. Whistleblower who handed Hunter's abandoned laptop to Congressman and DailyMail.com reveals is 450 gigabytes of deleted material. My understanding is that's a crap load, including 80,000 images and videos, and has fled to Switzerland fearing retaliation from the White House. Well, why would he worry about the White House? It's just lunch bucket, Joe. Whistleblower Jack Maxey 
gave DailyMail.com a copy of the hard drive from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop at the spring of 2021. DailyMail.com has published dozens of stories exposing Hunter's drug use, sex obsession, and questionable business dealings. For the past two weeks, Maxie has been in hiding in Zurich, Switzerland, working with IT experts to dig out more data from the laptop from hell. He says he intends to post them all online in a database in the coming weeks. Maxie says he found 450 gigabytes of erased material, including 80,000 images and videos and more than 120,000 archived emails. The former podcast host says he fears retaliation from the Biden administration, a.k.a. the Biden crime family. He says that after contacting DailyMail.com about the laptop last year, black suburban SUVs appeared outside his house. I believe it. Maxie gave the DailyMail.com a copy of the hard drive from Hunter's abandoned laptop in the spring of 2021. Listen to this. He also gave copies and material from it to the Washington Post, which sat on it. The New York Times, which sat on it. Senator Chuck Grassley, who acted on it in his role as ranking Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee. For the past two weeks, Maxie's been in hiding. He said he intends to post them all online. Just looking at this. Hunter abandoned his laptop in a Delaware computer store in 2019. The owner, John Mac Isaac, gave a copy to Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. And he passed one on to, uh, I think it passed it on to Maxine. And of course, that's why they want to now disbar Rudy Giuliani, the truth be told, in my view. He said, I came here so that we could do a forensic examination of Hunter's laptop safely in a country that still respects human liberty and the ideals of liberal democratic principles. I don't know who this guy Maxi is. But he seems to have the goods. Now why is it this a priority of the United States Department of Justice? Why is it that the Democrat Party in the House and the Senate won't hold a single hearing on this? Not one! Not one damn hearing! Not one! Why is it that the media have to be dragged and pushed to quote-unquote authenticate what we all know is true from day one. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a corrupt president and a crooked family here. That's the conclusion you can draw. It's the one I draw. I'll be right back. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with Pure Talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure Talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% percent off your first month that's puretalk.com promo code levin podcast 
This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. You'll know if CNN is really not serious about becoming a serious news operation, if it retains the likes of BS Helter Skelter Brian Stelter. Because he's among the worst of the worst. Runs around like a little munchkin. Lies through his teeth. You can tell he had a tough time in public school. Where when they played kickball, he was, he was the ball, Mr. Producer. Here he is at the University of Chicago today. Newsbusters, hat tip, cut for go. So in September of, or October of 2020... Let me just say this. We're all rooting for little Brian to eventually come through puberty. He's had the longest period of, of pubescence that anybody's ever noted. It's a scientific marvel. Start from the top, please. Cut for go. So in September of, or October of 2020, when the New York Post has something, other outlets can't match it. There's this pressure. Why aren't you confirming this? Why aren't you focusing on this? Why aren't you leading on this? Because we haven't matched it. We haven't confirmed it. Now, lately, you haven't lately, matched it, and you haven't confirmed it. You guys, you guys are filled with lies and phony reports. Please don't make me go through the history. I don't want to get a migraine. Lies and phony reports, day in and day out. And listen to listen to us. His tap dancing. We couldn't independently confirm it. Did that stop them from reporting on the, the seven-hour gap when it came to Trump's phone call? No. Russia collusion for two and a half years? No. We couldn't independently confirm anything because it was a lie. It was a dirty trick by Hillary. But now we... And by the way, now we... Uh, he's sort of the mini mouse of uh, CNN and the media. Go ahead. Times in the Post have, and that's notable. And CNN had a story last week about the federal investigation into Hunter. Uh, wow. You guys are unbelievable. Like way after the election. And of course, BS Helter Skelter Brian Stelter has spent most of his sad and pathetic career getting the worst ratings on one of the worst TV platforms and attacking Fox News. So a young freshman student, Christopher Phillips at the University of Chicago, stands up and he asks a question. What does Christopher Phillips have to say to BS Helter Skelter Brian Stelter? Cut five, go. You've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation, uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They push the Russian collusion hoax. They push the Jesse Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, With mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, is it time to finally declare that the, uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? Wow. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? Wow. 
Diaz Helter Skelter Brian Stelter is outclassed, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see how he tries to get around this one. Go ahead. It's too bad. It's time for lunch. <laughs> uh, you have 30 uh, seconds. No, I mean, Hal, you haven't missed a meal in your life. That's pretty obvious if you ask me. You're as tall as you are wide. Go ahead. This is 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. No, uh, he's actually I... talking about you and your channel. He really is. Go ahead. Popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality. The right-wing narrative about CNN. It's an accurate description of CNN, little fella. Go ahead. All these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw right, up... Shut and... up, you idiot. You're rambling on. You're an embarrassment. You're not just an embarrassment to CNN. You're an embarrassment, period. I would argue. And I'd be right. That kid, that kid nailed it. Certainly nailed CNN. You know, we have disagreements on Fox. We really do. Like about... Ukraine and Russia and so forth and so on. We really do. Uh, But not here. Not at CNN. And so we're about to find out if that corrupt network and the the nerdy sex fiends on that network from uh, Jeff Mother Zucker to the legal analyst, Tubin, we're about to see if CNN is serious about cleaning house and actually bringing some respectability back to the outfit. You got Chris Cuomo. I think he sued him for $412 billion. You've got uh, D. Lemon. Hey, D. How you doing, D? That's what Cuomo used to call him. You know, he was down for the revolution. Don Lemon. One of the most pathetic individuals with a camera in his face to be perfectly honest with you I mean you look at the freaks frauds and phonies on CNN and MSNBC really is shocking well that's why they're always losers in the ratings you look how they uh, they picked up this guy Scarborough out of the gutter he had no career no future nothing they gave him a show where he has five viewers on a good night can barely talk. Another clown. Another clown. Anyway, uh, we're going to stay focused on this as we do all the major issues, and this is a major issue. But you can see how thoroughly corrupt the media are. Just like the Oval Office. And the man in there is corrupt. You can see how thoroughly corrupt these people are. And to put a final touch on it, just for this evening, we have... And Applebaum. Applebaum of the famous Applebaum High Wire Act in the Apple Circus? No, 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 no. She's a writer for the Atlantic. Ooh, the Atlantic, yes. Very important publication that nobody reads. And Applebaum, she's also at the University of Chicago. How come I wasn't invited, Mr. Producer? No, I wouldn't have gone. I mean, they even have... Jonah Goldberg there from the Dispatch. He's not buying the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up had any impact on the 2020 election. If Jonah's anything, he's utterly and completely predictable. Boy, he's had a hate on for a long time. He and Steve 
Hayes, the Steve-O over there, where's he? He's with NBC. They've all found their little niches. Dizzy Lizzie Cheney, I expect at some point she'll run for president. She'll get nowhere. She'll be a big mouth with her negative 14% support, but the media will keep sticking microphones in her face to hear her pearls of wisdom. I think any time, and I don't mind Halliburton as a corporation, but just a mocker, we should just, any time she's there, just yell Halliburton. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? Just say, Halliburton! <laughs> oh, Mark. Anyway, uh, Ann Applebaum, writer at The Atlantic. Let's listen to what this brainiac has to say. Cut to go! So in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. By the way, these the- are smart kids. Wow. The University of Chicago. Or as we like to call it, UOC, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation. And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? Good question, Daniel. Good question, Daniel. Just like your, your student colleague there, Christopher Phillips. Go right ahead. I mean, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is, I think, totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I didn't find I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that that would be my problem with the, that as a as a major news story. I, I don't find it to be interesting. It's nothing to do with nothing to do with whatever with uh with the president, uh, Hunter Biden's relationships. And so I have no intention of looking, no intention of reading. I have no intention of finding out or anything else. Just remember Trump, Trump, and Trump. But we here at the Atlantic, you know, uh, this is just uh, monotony. We can't have monotony uh, here at the Atlantic. Uh, Actually, we have a lot of monotony here. We're all quite monotonous here at the Atlantic. We all talk like me and We all have these affectations, like we're actually smart, when we're actually not, as you know. Sometimes we speak very quickly to give the impression that we're smart. You know, like Chris Matthews used to do. But anyway, uh, my problem uh, with the Hunter laptop, it's totally irrelevant. China, Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, tax returns, money flowing into the Biden family. Utterly, utterly uh, disinteresting, uh, disinteresting. So now you know she and the Atlantic are crap. They're crap. They're, they're, they're nothing. They're pathetic. They're propagandists. That's where she is. That's where they are. Ann Applebaum. Why does that name sound familiar? Did she write for the New York Times? You want to do a quick Google on her, mister? That name rings a bell. Rings a bell. Very boring bell, by the way. We'll be right... I mean, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hey, 
Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather, with your kids? Would you rather be a donkey or an elephant? That was an easy one. Well, here's another easy one. Would you rather overpay for cell phone service every month to a company with leftist values or pay about half with pure talk and support a company who cares about your values? It's time to ditch Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Pure talk has the same 5G coverage as one of those big guys but saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch, and so can you. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data is just $30 a month. Or get unlimited data and still save a fortune. So do this. Go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Then this month, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save an additional 50% percent off your first month that's puretalk.com promo code levin podcast a lot of people say well maybe the media have learned their lesson now, ladies and gentlemen the media don't learn they're propagandists who create pseudo events who push an agenda they don't learn and they don't teach they don't report That's what's going on, quite frankly. This issue of illegal immigration is is so bad right now that we're going to spend time on this on my show on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox on Sunday. Nobody better than Stephen Miller. Now, you've seen Stephen Miller on Fox and elsewhere because he's a brilliant young man who knows this topic like few others. But, of course, in a long-form interview format, where he's able to speak without interruption, uh, and he's able to speak at some length, you'll hear things, you'll learn things that you didn't know before, as will I. And so we're going to have Stephen Miller on the program, exclusive on the weekend, as well as we're having David Mamet back, and he is just fantastic, and he's got some really strong things to say. He's already created Ripple's, in Hollywood. Ooh. And uh, he's just a very, very unique personality. I know people focus on on the left. If somebody on the left says something uh, that you agree with, they'll talk about it over and over and over again. Mamet is a man who needs to be listened to. And by the way, I was talking about John Leibowitz Stewart. And my wife said to me, you know, you got to give Bill Maher a little credit. Not a lot, but a little. Because every now and then, he says something that's accurate and truthful. Unlike John Leibowitz Stewart. I said, that's a rather low bar, honey. But she's probably right, actually. She's probably right. In more and more former leftists, former ACLU types, which has been very silent the last several years. Libertarians, civil libertarians are realizing that constitutionalists and conservatives we're the ones that promote liberty. These other folks may not agree with us on a host of issues, but we're not out to destroy them. We're not out to silence them to eliminate them from the public debate, to crush their careers or their platforms. 
In other words, we are the ones who believe in liberty and individualism. Whether we agree with them or not. Whether we agree with them or not. And more and more, I hope, we'll see this to be the case. I hope. And I think this is a very, very important point. And if Bill Maher sees that more and more, that's great. If others see that more and more, that's great. We need to keep pressing our case, particularly now. These are very, very grave times, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot more. Please stick with us. Our leaders aren't just incompetent, writes Brian Lonegren at American Greatness. They're the saboteurs. Interesting. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number... 877-381-3811 Man, oh man, oh shit, it's I gotta make some decisions. We only have an hour left in this show. Still so much more to do, but I don't like to race through topics. I like to take our time and go through them. I mean, after all, this isn't uh, how many issues you can hit. This is a matter of substantive review. All right, let's start here. I want to draw the media attention, particularly Robert Costa at CBS and Bob Woodward at the Washington Compost. You had a big fail the other day. You broke a story about a seven-hour gap in the phone logs involving President Trump. And you were fed this from the committee, the Stalinist committee, uh, headed by Benny Hill, Thompson and Dizzy Lizzie Cheney. Now, this committee is notoriously vile, dishonest, leaks like a sieve. Several of its members, in my view, should have lost their law licenses by now, starting with Adam Schiff. You've got this guy Raskin on the committee. He's a red diaper baby. By the way, that's an old phrase. Red diaper baby. 
certainly means kids of communists. And he was. Right, Mr. Askin? I see your lovely wife didn't make it onto the agency that she was uh, nominated for. My goodness. You should go to Biden and say, next time nominate her to the U.S. Supreme Court, where she'd be a shoo-in. She'd be the first birthing woman married to the son of a communist, I think, on the court. Wouldn't that be right, Mr. Medina? Something like that. I don't know. There's a piece in American Greatness by Deborah Hine. Drop, uh, and, and I want to draw the Bob Woodward, Robert Costa, and the rest of the magnificent media in this country. They're all about the truth and the American way. Ballot harvesters in Georgia stopped at Democrat offices in between runs to drop boxes during 2020 election. There's also a great letter that was produced, or memo, by the Office of the Attorney General in Arizona. And as you know, I've endorsed the Attorney General for the Republican nomination for the Senate there. I don't know that I'll have time to get to that this evening. But again, people are really starting to look at these things. Were these judges blocked it because they were afraid of interfering with an election when elections were in fact interfered with? And actually, I don't blame the media for not wanting to cover this because if they actually covered it, it would completely destroy their entire narrative. And so this is one area where we're not allowed to talk, but I shall. During the 2020 election, ballot traffickers in Georgia allegedly stopped the Democrat gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams' headquarters and at least one other Democrat Party office in between their runs to stuff unmanned drop boxes with ballots. Surveillance video featured in conservative filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza's upcoming movie, 2,000 Mules, reportedly shows people coming out of their cars night after night with piles of ballots, stuffing them in the drop boxes funded by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Election integrity activists used geospatial technology to track the ballot harvester's cell phones to precise locations. Catherine Egelbright, she's terrific, terrific, founder of True the Vote, told Newsweek in March that her group spent $1 million to obtain the geospatial information from several marketing services. In addition, she said she paid 20000 to obtain video via open records requests to counties and cities in five states where it appeared Trump was winning until mail-in and drop box ballots were counted. Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. New York Slimes, Washington Compost, and all the rest of you, this is how you do investigative reporting. But again, you're not interested in that. From there, she says, she and her staff cross-referenced the times and locations of the cell phones whose users visited multiple drop boxes with the 4 million minutes of video obtained from city and county governments. Do you know how excruciatingly difficult this is? So they gather the video, 4 million minutes of video. They pay an enormous amount of money to get the geospatial information on cell phones, and they're matching up the people with the cell phones, and the cell phone records show where the people are and where they're going. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? The geospatial data was the driver, Engelbrecht said. She told Newsweek that she would be turning over time and date stamp video. That shows the same people inserting ballots into sometimes dozens of different drop boxes 
They're going to turn it over to various law enforcement officials. During an interview with Gateway Pundit reporter Joan Hoft on Real Talk 93.3, Turning Point USA founder and President Charlie Kirk, buddy of mine, said he'd recently spent time with D'Souza and saw clips from the movie that convinced him the 2020 election fraud was part of a criminal conspiracy. But we don't need the word of others, ladies and gentlemen. We need to see this. Engelbrecht says, we cannot confirm anything about organization names right now by advice of counsel, but we can confirm that two of the addressees were among a data set of those we reviewed. And in his movie, 2000 Mules, D'Souza claims that one mule made a total of 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. He's not alone, he said. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops, leaving no fingerprints, snapping photos to get paid, a coordinated ring of illegal vote harvesting in all the key states where the election was decided. Game over. Wow. We'll need to see that film, the D'Souza film, won't we, Mr. Producer? Oh, yes. And in Arizona, let me see if I can pull this up quickly enough, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I take the show where I'm not anticipating taking the show. There it is. Okay. Here's the letter. This is to the Honorable Karen uh, Fan, the Arizona State Senate. Dear President Fan, six months ago, the Arizona Attorney General's Office received reports sent from the Arizona State Senate concerning its Maricopa County Forensic Election Audit. In addition, the Attorney General's Election Integrity Unit has received and is reviewing additional complaints alleging election failures and potential misconduct that occurred in 2020. Our team of investigators and attorneys now collectively spent thousands of hours reviewing the Senate's audit reports and other complaints, conducting interviews, and uh, analyzing Maricopa County's election system and processes. We have reached the conclusion and it's a long letter, that the 2020 election in Maricopa County, that includes Phoenix and so forth, the biggest county, obviously, revealed serious vulnerabilities that must be addressed and raises questions about the 2020 election in Arizona. This is utterly ignored by the national media. And it goes on for 12, 13 pages. So I can't read it all, but it talks about document preservation, uh, preservation and production issues. It goes on to talk about early voting signature verification issues. It goes on to talk about uh, early ballot drop box issues, you know, like they had in Georgia. Use of private grant monies, sort of the Zuckerberg issue. Increase the penalties for election crimes and protections for whistleblowers. These are some of their pr proposals. Uh, and the Attorney General's office is vigorously defending Arizona's election integrity laws and protecting the legislature's powers, you know, from these lawsuits from the left. With each passing election, Americans on all sides of the political spectrum, they write, have less confidence in the integrity of our elections. This is a crisis that should be addressed immediately with bipartisan solutions grounded in the rule of law. And he goes on here, Mark Bronovich. He's a good guy. 
And so there were serious questions raised in Arizona in this election. These are the official findings of the Attorney General of Arizona. Utterly ignored. Utterly ignored. The media figure, if they don't report it, it's not true. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Dave Bossy, actually, he's an old friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's been in the witness protection program uh, because if the left could get a hold of him, they would. He has put out a wonderful movie. It's uh, called Rigged, the Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. So he's focused focused specifically on Zuckerberg and his $417 million, which had an enormous impact in this election. Dave Bossy, how are you, my friend? I am fantastic, great one. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Tell us about your movie and tell us where people go to watch this movie. Well, people can go to rigged2020.com and stream it live anytime they want. Um, and it's it's a fantastic film. It's it's 40 minutes long, Mark, because, you know, it can't be much longer than that these days. But it is, like you said, solely focused on Mark Zuckerberg and how he put his thumb on the scale of this election this past November of 2020. And and what we prove beyond a shadow of a doubt is the $400 million was, was run through the Chan Zuckerberg initiative through these two 501c3 nonprofits that are supposed to be nonpartisan. And the, and the chief strategist at the Chan Zuckerberg initiative was David Plouffe. And we had hard... All right, remind everybody who he is. Uh, uh, Barack Obama's campaign manager. Uh, a, a, a brilliant strategist, somebody who helped uh, Barack Obama obtain the White House. And, and he understands ruthlessly how to spend money and spend it wisely to, to help Democrats win. And that's what they did. They took the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative money, which was Mark Zuckerberg's money, and they ran it through the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is this left-wing organization, Mark. Its budget in 2019 was $1 million. Its budget in 2020 was $328 million. Wow. <laughs> okay. so, so, so Zuckerberg fully funded this group run by Tiana Epps Johnson and Donnie Bridges, two people that um, uh, are, are, are Obama acolytes. One is Tiana Epps Johnson is an Obama Foundation fellow. And these are, these are the, uh, uh, the new organizing institute, which is a hardcore left-wing organization, uh, is where they came from. So that's who's running it. That's who's running Zuckerberg's money. And so it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, some Republican putting money in a C3 and saying, Dave Bossie's going to run it, but it'll be nonpartisan. It's just not, it's not, it's not ability. You have no ability to believe it. It's not credible. So has anybody filed, at, has anybody filed any IRS complaints against this entity? Uh, yeah, those, that, that's I, that's coming. Um, look, the movie's only been out a couple of days. There is an ongoing investigation right now into uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Life in Louisiana. The great Attorney General Jeff Landry um, has an open investigation. He just won at uh, the appellate court level, got a three nothing decision. 
to continue his investigation, and now it'll enter into the discovery phase. So he's going to go after the emails and the text messages and the phone records and the bank records to figure out how exactly they did it and what their plans were. Uh, and that'll be the blueprint that we could that he and other attorneys general can use around the country. Let me just give you a couple of a couple of data points to to, to give you a, an understanding of what I mean by Zuckerberg put his thumb on the scale. The the Center for Tech and Civic Life gave out um, three hundred and twenty five million bucks, but uh, one hundred and sixty of those grants were which totaled. $275 million uh, went uh, uh, predominantly to Biden districts. And what I mean by that is 92%, 92% mark of the $272 million went to Biden controlled districts. They drove up the vote. They were, they totally controlled the vote in these specific areas all across. All right. Let me walk through this with you. Let me walk through it just in plain English for me. So they targeted Democrat, heavy Democrat districts to turn out the Democrat. What did they do with this money in these districts? Did they work with the local government? Did they, did yes. they, put, did they, they direct these local government entities to do something if they wanted the money? How did this work? That's exactly what they did, Mark. You're so smart. It, what they did is they gave grants to the secretaries of state and to the, to the county officials. And they stipulated that, that, what me, that they, in order to keep the money, in order to not return it, because they, they had clawback provisions in the contracts, they must uh, uh, do the following things. And that was to um, provide drop boxes, to uh, assist in ballot curing, to uh, do uh, the, the uh, mail-in ballot programs, all of these things to help Joe Biden. And so in, in Georgia, as an, in, as, a, and as an example, $45 million went into Georgia, uh, the most of any state in the country. I wonder why. 94% of that $45 million bucks in Georgia went to Democrat Biden districts. Uh, it, 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 and they only won, by, um, they only won there by 10,000 votes. And in Arizona, in the funded counties versus the unfunded counties in Arizona, the the Biden funded areas outperformed Hillary Clinton by seven hundred thousand votes. Seven hundred no thousand votes. Biden didn't even go there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this makes Biden this the, the, the vote totals that that Biden allegedly got. It's incomprehensible. It doesn't make any sense. Way beyond Obama. Way beyond Hillary Clinton. The guy wasn't even campaigning in these areas. Right. And and um, you have Trump, who gets a record, record vote, more than any any candidate before him, and yet Biden gets 70 million votes. And what you're saying is, at least theoretically, and what you're saying is, here we have a multi-billionaire that put about half a billion dollars, give or take, into this election through the back door, through these grants, through this nonprofit organization, takes the money, targets it, with the uh, with the Obama campaign manager, they tell these local, city, county, state election offices, you want these big grants? And you have here, they're over $400,000 each, totaling over $270 million. Then you do what we tell you to do. And they had the drop boxes. They eliminated signature verification. They increased the number of... Uh, of, uh, of write-in votes, and on and on and on and on. And that is what took place here. 
There, there, there's no question. And, and if, if folks go to rigged2020.com, they could see this entire movie. We spell it out across the country in Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. We go painstakingly through. We have we have experts in each of these states in this film. President Trump is in the film. Uh, but it is it is uh, a, a, it is really um, an eye opening experience to watch this film. I had the pleasure of watching the film with with President Trump on Tuesday evening at Mar-a-Lago, and I was watching him watch the movie. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to carry over the break. I'm curious to know how it went, but I want to strongly encourage people to watch this because what Dave Bossy has done is a great favorite of the nation. He's focused in specifically at Zuckerberg, rigged the Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. One billionaire. We'll be right back. If you're trying to reach Mark on the air, call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Fantastic new movie. You'll learn a hell of a lot about it. Called Rigged. The Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. You can go see it. Rigged2020.com. Rigged2020.com. This is the flood of over $400 million into our election process, over 90% used in heavy Democrat areas, uh, where basically Zuckerberg took over these local governmental election offices and facilities, washed the money through a nonprofit organization, uh, and pushed um, the uh, turnout of the vote. And the head of the whole process was Obama's former campaign manager, David Fluff. And uh, David Bossie's all over it. And uh, following the 2020 election, when you have state lawmakers, Republicans have passed legislation to ban the private funding of government election offices. But as uh, the movie points out, Democrat governors have vetoed those bills because they want to be able to run this scheme again. Are they going to be successful, Dave Bossie, or is your whole point, let's expose this? <clears throat> You know what, Mark, uh, sunlight's the best disinfectant. We have to uh, expose this to stop it from happening again. But let's just, I just want to go back to the yeah. reason that I made this film was because, for several reasons, but President Trump has said over and over again it was rigged and it was stolen. Now we know, and we have the facts and evidence that are in this film to prove what he means by that. It was, it was not stolen just on Election Day. It was rigged in the months leading up to, because all of this $400 million off the books, no no, way, no one had any idea that Zuckerberg was doing this to this extent. Running it through these 501c3s, totally off the books. So we, we have to figure out what happened. We have to stop it from happening again this November and in 2024. And that's why these Democrat governors, as you just said, are vetoing it in North Carolina, in Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. I wonder why that is. Now, the Attorney General of Louisiana is all over this. Do we have other state attorneys general who are taking a look at this, To the, if you know? Well, yeah, we, we, well, we are sending this film to every Republican state attorney general. We're actually going to send it to the others as well. But we're going to be in contact with them to make sure that in Florida and in these other co states across the country that are battleground states, that they don't allow this outside money to come in and influence the election again. Pan, pan, look, this was all over COVID, right, Mark? 
all about the excuse of COVID safety. And very little of the money, very little, pennies went to COVID safety. It all went to drop boxes. It went to the employees and the machinery to count the to count to actually count the votes. It's unbelievable. Mm, boy, what a scheme! Uh, you've got this. You've got this. Mark Elias, the slip and fall ambulance chasing radical left lawyer, who worked out of Perkins Coie. You have the dirty tricks of the Hillary campaign and Russia collusion. You've got the uh, corrupt media that covered up the uh, the the Hunter Biden laptop and worse. It is just incredible. <clears throat> and then they want to nationalize our election processes so Republicans can never win again. Dave Bossa, you've been in politics a long time. You and I have observed this for a long time. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Never seen anything like it before, Mark, and I hope we never see it again. That's why we have to educate people about it so that they know what they're talking about. Because just like the Hunter Biden story, the laptop story, the mainstream media is not going to cover this. They're going to say, oh, this is outlandish. This is a conspiracy theory. This is right out of the 990s, the tax filings of these organizations. And by the way, those just became available in January, just three months ago. Our team has been thoroughly through this uh, with a fine-tooth comb. And so the mainstream media hasn't even done their job, just like with the Hunter Biden laptop story. They're going to cover it up and call it a Russian plant story like they did that one. This is just going to be a conspiracy theory. This is no – yeah, there's a conspiracy, and it was Mark Zuckerberg's money that funded it. Well, that's the thing, and that's why they keep talking about January 6th. So anybody who wants to look at these things, a guy like me on the radio, they try to uh, – the rap they try to give me is I'm inspiring people to do certain – not inspiring anybody to do anything violent. In fact, I've said that over and over and over again, no. But right. on the other hand, facts are facts. And it is amazing to me the extent to which the media choose not to cover this. If you guys can do this, the New York Times, a multi-billion dollar operation, the Washington Post with Fred Ryan at the head, who also heads the Reagan Library, he could do this. Uh, AP, Reuters, all the rest can do that. But it requires independent individuals like yourself and others to get to the bottom of these things. And then when you come up with them, you're not allowed to talk about it. They decide what you can and cannot say. That's why it's important to see this movie, Rigged2020.com, where Dave Bossy and his team are focused exclusively, like a laser, on the Zuckerberg-funded plot. And it is a plot. And it was successful in what they did. And this guy, David Bossy, goes to Capitol Hill. He comes off like a nerd. He tries to be earnest, you know, and sincere. He's really quite the sleaze, isn't he? Well, he really is. And let me just tell you how his friends have helped him. PayPal has taken uh, uh, and has frozen our accounts on, on, on the streaming website so that we can't even uh, sell on their site. Uh, Comcast and, and, and MSDNC won't run our TV commercials. I mean, it's just like the Hunter Biden laptop story. I mean, they suppress it. Anything they don't like, they disagree with, they just cancel it out, and that's what they're trying to do to this movie, but they're not going to be successful. Maybe you can talk to, uh, to uh, what is the guy's name, Mr. Producer, Twitter now, Elon um, Musk, uh, over Twitter. Has Twitter blocked you yet? Not yet. Nope, not yet. And by the way, it's funny. Facebook is running the ads about the movie, but, <laughs> but, 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 pay, but PayPal will not, and neither will 
Comcast or, or DirecTV. It's, it's an amazing thing with, with the censorship here in America. The corporatists are a disaster, and conservatives need to stop backing them. The corporatists in media, the corporatists in uh, big tech, uh, really, they, they are a complete disaster. They obviously don't believe in free speech. They defend the communist uh, genocidal murders in uh, China. Uh, they defend open borders despite the fact you've got massive sex trafficking going on, fentanyl coming across the border, killing our young people. You've got illegal in- aliens coming into the country. We don't even know who they are, but the corporations think that's perfectly fine. We have a huge problem with, uh, with the corporatists, I think, in this country. Any final words, uh, David Bossi? Hey, go to Rig 2020. Watch the movie for yourself and and see exactly what we've been talking about. Educate yourself so you're able to tell your friends and family the the truth about what Zuckerberg did and how they rigged this election against President Trump back in November of 2020. That is rigged. The Zuckerberg-funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. It's well documented. This movie's going to lay it out in every particular. I would encourage every corporatist, CEO, CFO, COO, board of directors, every one of them to watch this. Of course, they won't. Instead, they'll trash it without watching it. It's rigged2020.com. Dave Bossy, thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. All right, you take care. I'm going to watch this tonight, actually. And I encourage you to do the same. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So there was a story in the New York Post about this little dog that was being brutalized by its supposed owner. Little dog had to be, you know, 15, 17 pounds. And this guy was kicking it and dragging it and basically torturing and killing it. And a crowd saw him and chased him down and beat the crap out of him. Meanwhile, the dog was rescued and it was given to one of the organizations. I don't know if it was associated with the uh, L.A. area or not. So Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, at my request, tracked down the email the reporter at the New York Post did the story, Joshua somebody rather. And I wrote him and asked, what's the status? He never wrote me back. I was actually thinking of adopting it. And I haven't been thinking of adopting a dog since Barney passed away. But he looked a lot like Barney. But he never wrote me back. I assume some wonderful, beautiful family has adopted that dog because he needs a home desperately. Please, everybody, don't write me. I, I do the best I can with, the, with various uh, uh, organizations. And uh, this is, uh, you know, it's very important to us here. So, Jen Pasaki at the White House briefing today, the soon-to-be MSLSD employee... Big-time conflict of interest. Even some of the reporters at NBC have raised objections. But, of course, the corporatists at NBC, which is owned by Comcast, have no problem with the conflict of interest. And at MSNBC, they have no ethics whatsoever, so they don't know what the hell's going on. Here she is, Jen Psaki at the White House briefing today, confronted by the deuce, Peter Ducey. You're giving free phones to illegal immigrants. What's that all about? Cut nine, go. 
on immigration. Our team in Texas is uh, saying that you guys are starting to give smartphones to border crossers, hoping that they'll use the phones to check in or uh, to be tracked. I, which part of that is supposed to deter people from crossing illegally into the states? Well, I, I think you of all people, since you've asked me a range of questions on this topic over time, would recognize that we need to take steps to ensure that we know where individuals are and we can track in, and we can check in with them. The alternatives to detention program is just all what right, we now let's utilize. stop a second. You're telling me they're giving them cell phones, iPhones, Androids, at your expense. To check in with them? Hello? Francisco? Yes. Are you there? No. To check in with them? The insanity of this administration knows no limits. Why would they pick up a phone call if they don't know who's calling when the government ours announces that it's using it to keep track of them and to call them. And exactly who's going to call them? Do we have all these employees at the Department of Homeland Security that speak 512 different languages who are going to be at the ready just calling people? Hey, where are you? I'm in Arizona. Oh, okay. Nice to talk to you. I mean, what is going on here? This is insanity. And they do these things without any statutory authority whatsoever. Go ahead. Unique forms of technology to monitor participants enrolled in the program. Telephonic, this is one of them, which is uses a participant's voice to create a biometric voice print during the enrollment process. And when the participant has a check-in call... A biometric voice print? They're here illegally! Kick their ass out of the country. What are you doing, biometric voice print and handing them phones and food stamps and free education? What the hell is this? The insanity. Next thing you know, they'll be blowing out student loans. Now, who has student loans? Many of you do. Sorry. You did it. You didn't ask my permission. It's not my responsibility. Now, that said... Why should I pay off AOC's student loan? Let that jerk pay off her own loan. And most of these student loans go to people in the higher echelon at the income ranks. So you'll have two-thirds of the people who don't go to four-year colleges who earn less than people who do subsidizing them. This whole thing is ass backwards. May I say with all due respect, go ahead. Voice print, smart link, which is another option, enables participant monitoring via smartphone or tablet using facial matching technology to establish identity. And global positioning system monitoring is of a participant's location. If you can monitor illegal aliens this way, why aren't you sending them home? Look how fast she's talking. That's how you know she's lying. That's how you know she. We're going to give phones to illegal aliens free health care, free schooling. I, 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 it's just... Go ahead. Ankle bracelet. This is all part of our effort as individuals come into uh, the United States and individuals who are entering who, who will proceed to immigration proceedings to monitor and track but where they But they don't are. proceed to immigration proceedings. We know this is a matter of statistical fact. First of all, Hundreds of thousands of people come into this country. They're called unknown illegals. 
How are they going to come to administration proceedings, administrative proceedings? We don't even know they're here. And they make you think we have all these administrative law judges. We don't. It takes years. They're flooding the system. It's Cloward and Piven. They're overwhelming the system. Then they're going to have children. Then we have new citizens. Oh, my God. By the millions. No society can withstand this. None. To quote J. Johnson, who worked for Obama, this is unsustainable. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We salute our truckers here and in Canada. God bless you. And we salute the freedom fighters in Ukraine. We stand with you. 